We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast for part of the Blue Wire Network. I am Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Pat. Jace, the Bulls are on a three-game winning streak. Last night, the Bulls beat the Houston Rockets 124-119 in a game that saw the Bulls blow a big fourth quarter lead, look really sloppy and bad down the stretch. I think they went scoreless for almost the last five minutes of regulation only to roar back in overtime behind Zach Levine, who uh, had an and-one finish, hit a three-pointer, Kobe White hit another three, and the Bulls survive uh, what was kind of a goofy game, but a good win on their home floor, 124-119, beating the Rockets. The Rockets now 18-18 and on the season. If you haven't been paying attention to the league as a whole, the Rockets have been one of the teams that has really like risen from the basement of the league to you know, fringe playoff status, playing status in the West behind M.A. Udoka as their new head coach. Uh, I thought Alpern Shengun looked really good in that game. He went scoreless in the first half and then dropped 25 on the Bulls <laughs> in the second half. Uh, got to see Cam Whitmore get 33 minutes. He was a little bit of a roller coaster, but, uh, you know, he I had him as a top five draft. He's a rookie. Yeah. Flipped to number 20 in the draft where the Rockets got him. So it was fun to get an extended look at him in the rest of Houston's young talent. Uh, but the Bulls win in what was, I would say, probably uh, one of the more complete all-around performances uh, with a healthy roster. Levine finished the night with 25 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals and a block. He was actually making winning plays, including an offensive rebound and putback late in regulation to keep the Bulls ahead. Uh, if you were worried about Kobe White's production falling off while Zach re-entered the lineup, that has not been the case so far. Kobe pops off for 30 points, 8 assists, 6 of 11 shooting from 3, so that was great. Kind of a rough game for DeMar DeRozan, who was a big talking point uh, during their fourth quarter collapse. DeMar went 0 of 6 
in the fourth quarter. He missed an isolation pull-up at the buzzer that would have won the game at the end of regulation. Uh, Vooch, you know, goes 0-5 from three, but still finishes with 18 points, 15 rebounds. So pretty good win for the Bulls. After the game, Bill Simmons tweets, the Bulls are the sixth best team in the East. Fight me. I believe he said top six, not even just number six. So maybe he even thinks higher. But uh, yeah, if you look at the East right now, the Bulls at 18 and 21 overall. They are in ninth place in the East. I would say there are five teams definitively better than the Bulls in the East. That would be the Boston Celtics. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, that's the championship tier. Then we have the Miami Heat at 21 and 16 and the uh, New York Knicks, who are 22 and 15. You also got the Pacers in there. Of course, they have a Tyrese Halliburton injury right now. You have a Cleveland Cavaliers team that has been pretty beat up in there, but is surviving. You have the Magic, who have been holding on after their strong start. Then you got the Bulls. I think, you know, when we've been talking about the Bulls' place in the East this year, Jason, it's mostly been with, like, the Hawks and the Nets, as in the Raptors. In the Raptors. Like, <laughs> playing. Now, maybe we're talking about the Bulls jumping up a tier in the East to potentially being a team that, you know, can make, uh, make it out of the plan. We'll see. But uh, I guess I'll start this off, Jason. That now that we've got a few games to look at, you know, a mostly healthy roster with Zach Levine back, the minutes restriction lifted, Nikola Vucevic back, the minutes restriction lifted, obviously Tory Craig's still out. Uh, how good is this team, Jason? I have no idea. So it was like, whatever. The last two games, honestly, kind of comical. Uh, if we go back, 3-0 since Zach Levine returned. Uh, two of those games are against the absolutely useless Charlotte Hornets, and they almost blew the second Hornets game as well. Uh, basically, like the last two games, hilarious because the first Hornets game at home, Zach's first game back comes off the bench. Vooch comes off the bench, too. Uh, and like that was a little like close for comfort. And then they just blew them out in the fourth quarter and it was like not really competitive. So like, great. You blow out the Hornets. One of the worst teams in the league at home. Good job. Uh, the next game. Still, Zach and Vooch off the bench. Zach ended up playing 36 minutes in that second Hornets game. So, like, minutes restriction, that clearly didn't really exist, even though they said it did. Uh, but that game, they also, like, again, were leading most of the... I think they said... No, they started slow, and then they kind of turned it around. Uh, and then they were leading pretty comfortably. And you never really... Like, the, the Hornets were hanging around, but you never really thought, like, oh, yeah, like, the Hornets are going to... Like, they're going to really be a threat in this game. Then Terry Rozier started going off. Basically, the only way the Hornets win games these days are if like Terry Rozier just absolutely loses it, and he did absolutely lose it in that game. I think I think he almost went for forty, and he had the ball in his hands for a potential game-winning shot uh, in that game, but he missed. Uh, Zach Levine played some good defense on that on that final possession of regulation, but that was another. The Bulls almost collapsed. I can't remember exactly what the their lead was in that game, but. Again, a long drought down the stretch of that game in Charlotte almost cost them. Uh, but then they kind of took over in overtime uh, and kind of dominated for the most part. It got a little dicey, I think, there. I think the Hornets did have a chance to tie in the overtime again after the Bulls went up like eight points. Uh, but they won. Uh, and then again, this Rockets game, Bulls go down 7 nothing, just 8. And have, with their new starting lineup back, or with their, old, their, their normal starting lineup, Zach, Fooch, DeMar, uh, Caruso starting over Patrick Williams uh, and then Kobe White. Bulls go down 7 nothing, which they just love doing, is going down early, just looking absolutely terrible in the first couple minutes of a game. And then they came back, the, the Rockets went on a long drought, and the Bulls kind of controlled 
most like the the play for most of the rest of the game. They go up what was it, like 16 in the fourth quarter, I think, by as much. And then we see just another almost collapse where again, yeah, four or five minutes without a basket or without any points. A lot of Demar Iso ball, which as you mentioned was a talking point after the game. Uh, and I think Billy even like apologized. I think he said, "Oh, I could have d- done up a better play." But then Kobe White had a, had some really quotes, some good quotes. So he's like, "Man, at the end of games, you give the ball to your best players and you make it, and they let and they do something." And that's kind of what the Bulls always do with Demar. And to Demar's credit, he has often been very good. We know he's been generally one of the best clutch players in the NBA. Last the last two games, not has not been the case. And when when ISO ball goes bad. It looks really bad because it's just slow and stagnant. And if you miss a mid-range shot by a lot, it just looks really bad. Like you have people screaming for Kobe White to get the ball more. Please run more actions, more movement. Uh, and like I do agree that it would be nice to see that. But it is true that well, like what Kobe said across the league in crunch time, coaches give the ball to their best player, and they like and they is like, hey, go do something. And, uh, it's not just the Bulls that do that. It's not just Billy Donovan who does that. Maybe he leans on that a little too much. And especially with Kobe playing great now, like it would be great to see him maybe get more lead ball handling uh, opportunities in these crunch time situations. But uh, didn't happen this game, uh, at least in the in regulation. And the Bulls almost blew it again. I, I believe the Rock the Rockets did have a chance with one second left. Jabari Smith uh, had kind of threw up a prayer three pointer that he missed. Bulls go to overtime, and it looked like the Bulls were going to lose this game. I think the Rockets, uh, they went up five with uh, their, the Bulls' um, drought went on for like two, two and a half minutes. Uh, Rockets were up five with the ball after a Bulls turnover with like two and a half minutes left, and it's like, oh, this game's over. The Rockets score here. Bulls lose. Rockets don't score here. Zach Levine and one. Zach Levine three-pointer. Kobe White three-pointer, and the Rockets did not score another point from the rest of that game. Bulls win another close game. Uh, so kind of kind of crazy. So ultimately, you coming back to how good is this Bulls team? I still really have no fucking idea to be honest. Because like lately, Kobe has been awesome. Kobe is over this slump, the brutal slump. You were tweeting out some stats today. Uh, you had some tweets last night just about his development and like he has been back on a heater in January. Bulls don't win last night's game without Kobe White absolutely going off, and he hit the dagger three there. In the final minute, I believe he also did miss a three in the, at the end of regulation, but you're not going to make them all. And he made ultimately the biggest one that counted in overtime. Um, so like with this version of Kobe White and if Zach can play mostly like he did yesterday, as good as Zach played, he was on triple double watch. Uh, he had like 25. He had the big clutch buckets in overtime. I think 25 with like 13 and seven. He also did have three turnovers down the stretch of regulation. Uh, and I think yes, a couple of fouls. So like it was the Zach Levine crunch time roller coaster. We saw it. It almost cost them again in the fourth quarter. It was both Zach and DeMar both fucking up down the stretch of this game. Uh, but this time it didn't cost them. And that has kind of been a theme lately since Zach initially got hurt is the Bulls are winning like all of their close games. They started the, when they started the year 5 and 14 when Zach went down, they were 3 and 6 in games that were called clutch and that's scores within 5 points within the last 5 minutes. Anytime a score that like the score gets within the 5 points within the last minutes, it's called a clutch game. Uh and the Bulls were 3 and 6 and you can remember some of those games like they lost like they lost that Suns game which is brutal. Uh they did win that crazy Raptors comeback early, but there were a few other clutch games where uh Bull they toss-up games that they lost and they were three and six since then the bulls are eight and two in games that are wow. that are counted as clutch games and they've won i think four in a row the last one they lost was that jimmy butler buzzer beater 
Uh, but they beat the Sixers. Remember the Sixers at Sixers uh, with Joel Embiid. Bulls beat them 108-104 clutch game. Um, they had last night. They had that Hawks game where DeMar played the hero with multiple difficult isolation baskets. Uh, and then these last two games, two overtime games. So that's the Bulls are winning their close games. And that's kind of right now. It's a fine line of like, oh, the Bulls are like kind of back. Like they're back in this mix. And the Bulls still suck. Like if if they're say they're six and four in those clutch games instead of eight and two, uh, which is still good. Six and four is still a good cl- clutch record to have in close games, especially when the the Bulls as a team just haven't been that good overall. The Bulls are sixteen and twenty three instead of eighteen and twenty one. That record still looks kind of like shit. Uh, so like a very fine line now. Uh, and even go back to some of the other games, like kind of during the stretch. I mean, if you remember, uh, like that Pelicans game, they were down double digits in the second half, and they were like tied with like four or five minutes ago. They hit a bunch of threes to win that game. That Spurs game, they were down double digits at halftime. They were, I think, like tied with like four or five minutes ago. They closed them out entirely. That though the first heat game, they were close, I think to, again, like tied or like two points within the final four or five minutes. Io it's like multiple threes. They rock it down the stretch to a win. Like they have been making like for the most part, they've been executing really well in crunch time. Again, these last two games did not execute in regulation. They did in overtime, but they've been shot making in crunch time. Their defense, they have one of the best clutch defenses in the NBA. It's something like 93, 94 defensive rating. Um, The clutch offense has obviously come back a little bit with these last couple games really struggling. But uh, so the Bulls are winning their clutch games. And that's that's helped them kind of get back into this mix uh, in in the nine seed right now. And they're pretty comfortably, I think, in the ninth. I was the Nets are falling apart. They lost in Paris today. Uh, The Hawks. Uh, they did beat the Sixers yesterday, but the Hawks kind of just stink. They're going to probably trade DeJounte Murray. The Raptors have been more competitive since their trade of OG Adenobi quickly and RJ Barrett have been good, but they got they they played two really good games in LA and lost both of them. They got hosed in that Lakers game, but they're they're I mean they're like three games back. It's like Bulls pretty comfortably at nine and now trying to look up with some easy ish games coming up. Uh, I had to try to get back up closer to five hundred at the halfway point of the season, so like. Do I ultimately think they're like really good? I mean, they're like 13 and seven over the last like quarter of the season, which is like a 50 some win pace. Do I think over a full season, they're like actually a 50 some win team? No, I do not. I think some of the clutch stuff will probably even out. Uh, But with Kobe White playing like he is, and if Zach can play generally like he is for if however long he's on the team, uh, I feel like we're still getting primed for him to stay on the team past the deadline. Jake Fisher talked today in his column about uh, all the, like, League executives are still doubting like that there's he's going to get traded. The Bulls are going to find a, a a suitable trade package. And Casey's kind of been doing it for a while now. So like if they don't make a Zach trade and they just kind of keep this group together, like how good are they? I mean, they have a long stretch of being pretty mid. But Kobe White being so much better does make a legitimate difference. So like I think they're a little better than mid. Ultimately, I probably think they're still going to wind up around like a 500 team, give or take a few games. Uh, just make sure they get over 38 wins, of course, or get 38 or higher. And I'm definitely happy there. Uh, so ultimately, do I think the Bulls are like actually like really good now? No, I do not. I do think they've caught lightning in a bottle. I do think there's been a little clutch luck there. That's again, if you remember two years ago when DeMar was doing his thing, Bulls were like 25 and 16. I think it was in clutch games last year. They were fucking terrible in clutch games. And now they're playing great again after the slow start this year. So like, Ultimately, given the quality of their team, I'd say they're probably a little more in the middle there and will probably end up being around 500, um, which again, after all this, 
who knows what will happen at the end of the year going up to the trade deadline that could still turn into a disappointing season. But they are certainly playing much better overall in general uh, and a much more aesthetically pleasing to watch, except for some of these meltdowns late in games that they've had lately. Yeah, I just pulled up the clutch numbers. 115.2 offensive rating in the clutch, 98.4 defensive rating. The Bulls are plus 16.7 net rating in the clutch, 11 and 8 overall in the year. Uh, yeah, know, I think the 93 net rate, I think the 93 D rating was, I think, the last 10, whatever. They in two over the same two stretch. So they've been great. And I just, I basically give that credit to Alex Caruso entirely. He just shuts down offenses when it's things slow down. You get that ball pressure. Uh, I saw someone tweet last night, like the Rockets were rolling uh, in overtime. And then some, I saw someone tweeted about how, like, and obviously see the game, Alex Caruso just like locking up Fred Van Vliet. You can't do anything. And their offense kind of bogs down and the Bulls win. They don't score for two and a half minutes. Continue. Yeah. But in basically like for all the hand wringing about DeRozan having a rough fourth quarter yeah. last night, he did have a rough fourth, yeah, it was rough fourth quarter. He's been amazing in the clutch yeah. so far this year. Yeah. So he's shooting 22 of 40 from the field in the clutch. That's 55% field goal percentage. That's pretty good. He's also two of three from deep uh, on three pointers. And he's 25 of 31 from the foul line. That's 80%. Uh, he does have eight turnovers to seven assists, but in general, if DeMar's shooting the ball in the clutch, he's got a better than 50% chance to make it this year. We know he's been a really good clutch performer since the Bulls signed him. It has been perhaps the best thing he has brought this team since they've acquired him is just a steady hand uh, in crunch time because God knows Levine doesn't have it. <laughs> and then, you know, I've been guilty of this too, wanting to see Kobe more involved in the crunch time offense. But if you pull up the numbers, Kobe 13 to 28 from the field, that's a 46.4% field goal percentage in the clutch. Uh, that's a good number, but he's only five of 16 from three, 31%. And if you look at uh, the shot he hit yesterday, I think it was Steph that put out a video sort of highlighting this. It was Zach drawing two to the ball, ball winging yeah. it to Vooch, who hit Kobe. So Kobe still leads the NBA in uh, spot-up points or, like, yeah, I think it's spot-up points or spot-up possessions. He's basically getting a lot of his offense off advantages created by other people. When the ball swings, Kobe's knocking it down. And that has been awesome. In general, the Bulls' crunch time performance this year, I think, like, clutch luck is fluky in general. Like you said, very great two years ago, horrible last year. They're good again this year. So, I don't know. But it does just seem like whatever the magic sauce is. They're winning all their close games. They got it this year. So, (laughs) that is, uh, that's a change of pace from last season, certainly. And that is pretty good. You mentioned Kobe, and I looked at the numbers. So, uh, people who listen to this podcast who have watched the team in general, you may know Kobe White was terrible at the start of this. Very season. bad. I was going on this podcast and saying Javon Carter should be the starting point guard over Kobe White. That is Yikes. an all time bad rookie <laughs> thing because Javon Carter has been terrible. He was a DNP last yeah. night. Kobe has emerged into an all star. But for the first 13 games of the year, Kobe was not good. He was very bad. Stretch, he was averaging 11.4 points. 37.9% field goal percentage. He was taking five and a half threes and making 29.6% of them. His true shooting percentage was 47.8, which is garbage. League average is like 56. He yeah, was that's 47. way below league average. Uh, and his usage was 18.8. Okay, over the last 26 games now, a pretty significant sample, 
Kobe's averaging 22 points, 5.4 assists, 5.3 rebounds. He's shooting 47.3% from the field, 43.7% from three on 8.3 attempts. So his uh, three-point attempts have really increased. His three-point percentage has skyrocketed from 29 to 43. True shooting, 61.6 over the last 26 games. That's well above league average. That's an all-star level scoring efficiency for Kobe White. His usage has also gone up. Especially on that usage, yeah. And he's still not turning the ball over a lot. Only 9% turnover rate. Kobe White is awesome. And it's unbelievable that this happened in the middle of his fifth year. He started his fifth year after signing of, you know, what now looks like incredibly team-friendly extension for, you know, 12 million a year, whatever it is. I think the some incentives in there backed up from three to 40, somewhere ranging from 333 to 340. Uh, He now looks incredibly underpaid. Imagine if you would have had this breakout last season, you're looking at a player who's making 25 million a year, probably easily. Right. Uh, He is playing at basically a near all-star level now for 26 straight games. And it's just been a joy to watch, man. Like the bulls, the one thing that like me and you have really hammered on this podcast is the Bulls never developed their young talent. Right. And seeing Markinen blossom into a top 30 player in the league after the Bulls gave up on him, of course, Markinen didn't do it in Cleveland either. Uh, but when he got to Utah with Coach Will Hardy, he's just been a really incredible offensive player. The jet just, just felt like such a stake through the heart as a Bulls fan. Like you drafted this guy number seven overall in Markinen. Uh he had some you know, very promising moments early in his career, but he could just never actually improve and sustain improvement for a long stretch. Kobe has now improved and he is sustaining this improvement. And it's the culmination of a lot of things. Like we saw last year when the Bulls started IO over Kobe the entire season, Kobe did look like a more well-rounded guard off the bench, but he was a third guard in general. He was only playing 23 minutes a night. Uh, teams could still take advantage of him defensively. And essentially, the Bulls started Io over Kobe last year because of the defense. And with Io on the floor, defensively, the Bulls had the fifth best defense in the NBA without Lonzo Ball. That's pretty incredible given their defensive yeah. personnel. The thought this year was okay, Kobe will help improve the offense, and hopefully, he won't totally kill the defense. And over the last, you know, 26 games, that's really been the case. Uh, you can see so many different parts of Kobe's game sort of culminating all at the same time. The all-around skill development is just off the charts. His floor game is so much better in terms of his driving, his handle, uh, his ability to get to the cup, his vision off the live dribble. So much improved from the player we saw very early in his career when the Bulls selected him, I believe in 2019 out of North Carolina. Um, you could see it just in his physical strength. He's gotten so much stronger. And I remember a quote from Caruso uh, during the Nashville training camp session when Caruso Infamous said, hey, you know, Nashville. Kobe's really strong. Kobe deadlifts all the time. And coming from Caruso, I was like, huh, like Caruso's jacked as hell. If Caruso thinks Kobe's strong and you look at Kobe and he doesn't look particularly strong, but uh, you know, strength development isn't just the glamour muscles, Jason. Yeah. It's not just the biceps like you got on you in this uh, Jordan Bulls jersey <laughs> you're wearing. Or it's, you know, the lower body strength, the core strength. Some and functional I think that strength. That is where Kobe has really improved, even if he doesn't look like a bodybuilder in terms of his upper body. 
And then I also think it's just the game slowing down. It's all the reps he got as a rookie at point guard. It's uh, the fact that like he's played for a pretty, he played for a good team uh, when Lonzo was there and he was off the bench. Obviously he was hurt at the beginning of that season, sort of slowed some of his momentum. Uh, He he was like close on playable at the end of that season. (laughs) He really was. And it was, you know, he couldn't hit a jump shot sustainably yeah and his defense he would just get taken advantage of defensively he'd be missing rotations or he'd get overpowered now he's stronger he's getting overpowered less he's in the right place more often on defense he's always going to have short arms he's never going to be a defensive stopper but now he doesn't kill you on defense like teams will still attack him because he's the smallest guy on the court but he's not going to kill you and the real thing that has set all this into place is the shooting and the shooting is just incredible he's one of the best spot up players in the league He's shooting 40% off his spot-up three opportunities, and a huge improvement has been his pull-up threes, where he's also shooting 39% on pull-ups. I wrote a profile on Kobe before the Bulls drafted him, coming out of North Carolina, where I talked to his high school coach, Rob Selter, and you know we discussed sort of the strengths and weaknesses in his game. I went back and read that article, and one thing is that he just seemed sped up on his pull-up jump shots. Like he was just playing too fast, playing at one speed. And, uh, you know, it wasn't an effective weapon for him. And that's a weapon that a player his size in the NBA who's going to handle as much as he does needed to have. Now he's got the pull-up. When defenses have to respect the pull-up, that unlocks his dribble drive game. And I do think a lot of it just comes back to the shooting because Kobe's always been so good at creating a shot for himself. And even early in his career, he had these stretches where he would get really hot. I yep. want to say I, I wrote something off him making seven threes in a game against the Knicks where he yep. might have had like, he had like four or five quarter. in the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've seen that in the past, but then he's always tailed off. So now 26 games, pretty meaningful sample where the guy's a 43% shooter. And that's with and that's with three or four games where he went where he missed like 15 or 16 in a row. Right. And he's now he's he's shook that off and now he's been awesome again. So like so Kobe looks awesome. I can't believe it. The Bulls never develop anyone, and Kobe in the middle of his fifth year yeah, has I, had I a pretty yeah. late career breakout. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I, I want to say something about that, too. It's like the last couple of weeks and I've been tweeting about it. And you, and you were saying it last night, like, you know, like, this is like ridiculous. Like, Kobe's doing this. I've had people in my mentions be like, oh, like, not... Not if you were paying any attention to him. It's like, dude, 
this kind of diff like this kind of leap no one should have expected like you could have liked kobe as a player and thought he was gonna be good and like uh but when you're in the league for four plus years and especially the way he started this year and then all of a sudden are doing what he's doing now that's that's very rare that's not something that often happens a lot of guys have talent like he's been in the league a long time and he has never showed that he can do this kind of stuff consistently like don't give me like oh yeah like if you were watching him like you would have known kobe always was like this or always had this in him like i mean maybe a lot of guys again a lot of guys might have it in him but in terms of actually developing and doing it uh the fact that he's doing it in year five it's it's very similar like you mentioned to lowry uh, like Lowry, I mean, Lowry showed more flashes than Kobe did. The Kobe obviously had, would have his streaky shooting games, but like Lowry had a month where he averaged 25 and 10, like the infamous February 2019 or whatever that was like uh, Lowry had showed more flashes, but then it just kind of didn't work out It fizzled out. Uh, he went to Cleveland and was like pretty good, but like still just kind of like, oh, he's whatever. And then he goes to Utah featured with a good young coach. And now he's a legitimate all-star player. Uh, that teams want that the Jazz want like five first round picks for if they were even to think about trading, which they should not just keep him. He's really good in the Jazz aside. The Jazz are all of a sudden fucking like unbeatable uh, for all the talk about how the Bulls have turned their season around. The Jazz were nine games under. They were seven and 16. They've won 12 out of 16. They just blew, destroyed the Nuggets last night. Uh, Larry Marketing and Chris Dunn, I t- tweeted, made the joke about how we got a night last night where Kobe White, Zach Levine, Larry Marketing and Chris Dunn all killed it and then we had the fist bump gar packs uh gif along with it because uh all guys that's three guys with the jimmy baller trade and then kobe white who the bulls drafted uh themselves all had just big games and lowry has been awesome chris dunn's been playing really well i always hated chris dunn as a bull uh but he's been playing pretty well for the jazz i have have to admit that's like the jazz of all of a sudden the jazz and the bulls both teams nine games under 500 uh at one point uh, kind of back in the mix now. The Jazz, I think, are a game under now, and the, and the Bulls are three. But it's, very, it's kind of similar situations. Lowry all of a sudden turns into an all-star in year, what, six? Kobe now turning, I don't, like I, said, I don't think he's going to do enough to be an all-star this season, but like um, he's playing all-star caliber basketball over the last couple months, and he should probably be in the mix for most improved players, assuming he does keep this up. I don't know if he'll win. Because Tyrese Maxey, I could see having a lot of hype there, and there's a few other really good players. I mean, Sengun as well could be a guy who's in most improved uh he's averaging like 21 i think he's averaging like a double double and like five assists he's i said i don't want to call him Jokic, but like he's like a poor man's Jokic at this point uh so some really good improvement this year and kobe is right in the mix he should be uh he should be a most improved candidate it's a very i feel like it's absolutely unbelievable how good he is now again for all the reasons we've mentioned from where he was i mean even last year like he was better last year like clearly better but like he was still just like, okay, he's like a nice bench guy. Like, and to start the year, we were calling for more Javon Carter. We were like, oh, Javon Carter should start. Kobe's still just like a microwave six man guy. And then he started the year and he looked fucking like one of the worst point guard starting programs in the league. And then all of a sudden now he's playing all-star caliber basketball and it doesn't look like it's going away. And even the games where he was missing all those threes, like he was still doing other stuff, um, uh, still being productive. Uh Kobe White has basically saved the Bulls season. Kobe White in these and the, the clutch games and Kobe White being so good has helped certainly helped them, given them another uh, weapon in cl- in these close games. And he's had some really big shots. Um, kind of goes hand in hand there. So like, if I, I another thing I mentioned in our group chat was like, if Kobe White had just been like he was brutal to start the year and he's he was never he was not going to be that bad. But like, if Kobe just kind of got back to a level where he was like he took like another nice step this season and was back to just like, hey, he's like Kobe White. He's pretty good now. He's like a decent starting point guard. 
the Bulls would probably have three or four fewer wins, but he's been playing at an all-star level. And now they're back to 18 and 21. Like, again, are they actually still good? I don't know. Um, but Kobe playing like this at least opens up their ceiling a little more. It gives them a little more upward mobility, uh, plenty more excitement, at least for a fa- for fans to watch. Um in terms of this season, again, we don't need to talk about like we know they're not championship contenders this season, but in terms of just like pure enjoyability, looking forward to the future as an actual like building block, the Bulls actually have one, and we did not we did not think that was necessarily the case two months ago or whatever. That yeah, was. Dude, it's it's changed the entire calculus on the Bulls' outlook. Like the fact that they actually have a really good young player now is pretty remarkable in the middle of his fifth year to do this guys don't do this <laughs> uh, this is like very irregular to happen in the nba for a guy to go from a bench guard who couldn't even get a starting spot over io Desumu last year to being like you know potentially a most improved candidate fringe all-star level player not going to happen this year but you know if he sustains this kobe can be an all-star next year and that's pretty remarkable so it's totally changed the calculus on the bulls outlook They have a guard who can play on and off the ball, who can be an elite high-volume shooter off the catch, who can attack the defense off the drive and make plays for others. Is Kobe the Bulls' full-time offensive engine? I don't know all about that. I think that he still benefits from having advantages created for him, and he can capitalize off those advantages by knocking down shots or by putting the ball on the floor, getting to the lane and, uh, you know, drive and kick or hitting the uh, man in the dunker spot or the roller. But, Jace, I'm going to say it, this is Kobe White's team. And I tweeted that uh, <laughs> maybe about a month ago, that the sooner the Bulls realize it's Kobe White's team, the better off they're going to be. One of the great things about Kobe is that when you build the roster with him in mind, he gives you a lot of different options of how you're going to build the team. Because he's such a good floor spacer and such a good spot-up threat, because he can handle point guard duties, you know, hypothetically, you could put another point guard next to him to have, uh, you know, really good drivers on the team uh, or you could have him be the point guard and surround him with uh you know quality defenders and floor spacers and give him a little more room to attack off the dribble so he's just an awesome building block he turns 24 years old later this season so still only 23 it's crazy he's still so young i really think it's changed everything about the outlook for the bulls now this doesn't mean that like suddenly the bulls are you know, going to be an Eastern Conference contender. Suddenly they're going to be a player for big time free agents. But this was a team where all their good players were old. They were capped out. They didn't have draft assets. And, and one of like them wanted to be traded. The Still worst wants. young talent collection yeah. in the NBA. Now you got a young guy who you can actually build around long term, who keeps getting better, who seems like the emotional leader of the team, who is a super hard worker, who's a great role model, a great culture guy. And I can't say enough about Kobe because there were so many times where I was like, well, Kobe sucks. He was a yeah. bad number two pick. He's too small. He's too streaky. He's never going to put it all together. And he's fucking putting it all together. And he proved everyone who doubted him, myself included, wrong. And it's been really great to watch. Uh, And it makes me think, Jace, the Bulls now suddenly have someone at point guard who can replicate a lot of what Lonzo Ball can do. They're obviously not identical players in any bit, but they do have some overlap in their skill sets. And last time we saw the Bulls with Lonzo Ball, the Bulls were really damn good. 
When Lonzo Ball went down, the Bulls sucked. <laughs> what do they miss with Lonzo Ball? One thing they really missed is high-volume three-point shooting. Kobe is giving him that. He's taken eight or nine threes a game. He's knocking him down at 40%. That's basically the same spot-up shooting that Lonzo was giving them. Uh, Kobe obviously is not as much of a defensive master as Lonzo is. He's not as big as Lonzo is. But he's improved enough on that end to at least be solid. You know, he's not a game-changer like Lonzo, but he's solid. And then Kobe gives you much more off the dribble than Lonzo ever did. Yes. So to have someone who can put it on the deck, get to the basket, get defenses in rotation, uh, and be such a high-volume, highly accurate three-point shooter, the Bulls have found their Lonzo Ball replacement. It's Kobe White. And, and while Kobe, I would say, Kobe is not like the genius like passer Lonzo is, Kobe's ability to actually beat people off the dribble and like do stuff probably makes him more of a dangerous passer, at least in the half court. Lonzo was so good in transition. Like that was such a weapon to have Lonzo's passing in transition, and that was such a big help. But like Lonzo couldn't really like drive past guys, then like he's not like a big drive and kick guy, because he just like didn't do much in at the rim. And Kobe can do that. So like that gives them just a different like passing playmaking element than Lonzo did, even though Lonzo again is one healthy, one of the better passers in the league just because of whatever his vision and is just like basketball IQ. But Kobe brings just a different element because he can do more with the off the dribble in terms of either scoring or passing. Now, of course, several things have changed since the heyday of the Lonzo Ball Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan is older. Nikola Vucevic is older. Zach Levine has told the team he wants to be traded. So I don't know how this is going to play out. (laughs) I mean, DeRozan's a free agent. He is worse every year. He's going to continue getting worse because he was born in the year 1989. And (laughs) if you were born in the 80s, Jason, I was born in 87. I think you were born in 88, right? Uh, You know, we're old guys now. We're born in the 80s. This this is no country men born in the 80s (laughs) in terms of the NBA. So DeMar's going to keep getting worse, but DeMar's still really good. Vooch just can't finish anymore, but still brings a lot of value as the fulcrum of the offense, even if he kind of struggles to shoot. I mean, if he could just have the Brooke Lopez three-point shooting <laughs> revolution. His three-point shooting is a really solid player, but he's like a bad three-point shooter yeah. and is a finisher not quite so good. So Vooch is older. DeMar's older. Zach wants out. Will Zach change his mind? Are the Bulls keeping Zach? Is Zach on the team next season? This seems kind of crazy to me. There's also luxury tax implications of yeah. all this. The Bulls even bring everyone back. Uh, but, man, it's pretty interesting because – the Bulls look good when they had a point guard who could bomb threes off the catch. They now have a point guard who could bomb threes off the catch again. And it has me wondering, you know, maybe the Bulls are kind of legit now. Now, this assumes a lot of different things. It assumes that Levine's going to stay bought in. I still think Levine's going to get traded. Uh, I think that, there, you know, there's incentive on from the Bulls' side to get him traded. And I think that he will come a little cheaper than the Bulls ultimately want back in return for him because they will be motivated to get him off the team. So we'll see what that looks like. We've been talking about it all year. We'll yeah. continue to talk about it, but uh, you know, I do wonder like they're not, they're not a, trading anybody else. They're, they're going to try to make the Zach trade. And, and they're, they're not. Probably... Yeah. And like, I would still for the record, I still think they should trade Caruso a hundred percent. I would be fine with them trading DeMar, but like they kind of need DeMar. Yeah, they're DeMar's not going to. similar to Julius Randle, yeah. where it's like his value 
DeMar's value to the Bulls and Randall's value to the Knicks far exceeds their value to any other team, basically, right? Like these teams are built around their unique skill sets. So, you know, if the Bulls do re-sign DeMar, I would be okay with it. I just hope it's a short deal, two years of absolute max. Uh, if he gets a third-year guarantee, that's a disaster. At least line him up with age. And honestly, Demar's just going to keep getting worse. So <laughs> that's just the age curve. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, basically a Hall of Fame player, um, and he's been really good here. I wish they didn't have to give up the twenty-five draft pick for him, but he's been really good here. Uh, and yeah, so you know, the Bulls with the development of Kobe. If you can get Zach back cooking, and Zach looked pretty good last night, uh, you know, they might have something here. Like, do I think they're better than the Pacers? Do I think they're better than the Magic? Do I think they're better than the Cavs? I don't know. The Pacers, night, if the though, Pacers make a trade, if, they, if the Pacers somehow traded for Siakam, Pacers are probably better once Halliburton's back. Uh, the Magic have kind of fallen back. I, if the Bulls and Magic played a playoff series, like, fully healthy... I would probably lean towards the bull. This feels like a toss up. Like the Magic are a good defense. They're still just so young though, and I feel like they're just missing like the offense that they need. I mean, Paolo's been really great, but I feel like just like the their offensive guard plays probably not quite good enough, and they've kind of fallen back a little bit. They're still, I think, what four or five games ahead of the Bulls. Like, I think they'll probably still stay decent the rest of the year. So, like, I don't know if they're gonna really fall off, but it's probably not that much of a, di- of a difference. <laughs> so, like. I don't know. Like and the Cavs, the Cavs have been great without Mobley and Garland. I think they're like eight and three or nine and three since they went down. Uh, they beat the Nets in Paris today. Uh, once they get those guys back, I think Garland's coming back pretty soon. Like the Cavs, they started so bad because they had so, they've had so many injuries. Like I feel like the if the Cavs actually figure things out, like they should be really fucking good. So like I would guess the healthy Cavs are better than the Bulls are. Um, so yeah, like ultimately the Bulls probably aren't. A top six team, like I, they, they've played like one for the last twenty games. So like, all, like if we're at the end of the season, like I don't think the Bulls are going to finish in the top six because they still have to pass several teams. They'd have to climb up still like four or five games. Like that's just really tough from where they were at. But like, could they obviously like could they get through the playing tournament? Of course they could. Sure, again, all these so many other teams in this, the, the NBA this year. Like, there's so many teams I think are pretty close tier wise. So like, yeah. They're kind of they're kind of there the way they've been playing lately. They've been playing a lot better. So like, sure, we'll see. Like, get into a playoff series. Get me against. Give me a one eight against the Celtics. Maybe put a little scare in Boston because fuck Boston. I don't know. Like, maybe they could. The, they've played the Bucks really well. Like, maybe they could uh, put a scare into the fraud Bucks as we like to call them. But yeah, I don't know. Let's not before we go into our, whatever. We have plenty of time to talk about bigger picture stuff later. But to wrap this pot up, Zach, we talk. We're talking about Zach. Three games. What have you seen from Zach um, in these three games in his return? We've obviously talked a little bit about last night's game, that it was clearly his best game. This was probably Zach's best game since um, the play-in tournament. Like, he had the 50-point game against the Pistons, but they lost by 16 to a team that has three wins. uh, And he had zero assists, and basically it was just him kind of cooking. But in terms of, like, a best overall floor game, aside from those few turnovers in the last, in the last few minutes of regulation, like... I want to talk but, about the defense, too. Yes. But I'll, I'll do Zach first. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sort of reminded me of when Zach started last season, when he was coming off the knee surgery, and he just didn't look like himself in terms of his explosiveness. That's what I thought for the two Hornets games, for sure. 
Uh, and even last night against the Rockets, like early in that game, he missed three easy layups that were right there. In the fourth quarter, he again had some tur- like two big turnovers, and I think he had an offensive foul too that ended up being a turnover. Yeah. Uh, and some of his shot selection was sort of like hero ball style <laughs> shot selection in the clutch, but he hit the shots, and that's what Zach does. He's able to hit super tough shots better than yeah, like the go ahead threes in the NBA. <laughs> that's like literally his whole thing. And yeah, that go ahead three. No, they were just him dribbling shot. up the court and just. Chucking a three and he made if he misses that shot. We're saying, Zach, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, you got no one under the rim, you got to move the ball, you got to try to get something better than that. But he's Zach Levine, he hits it, that's what he does. So, you know, last year when he started slow, I was skeptical he was going to be able to keep playing and get healthier, and that's actually exactly what happened. He was awesome from December on last year. So this year, like, I just want to see it again. I just want Zach to be the guy we've always known him to be. We have a very large sample of Zach Levine since probably like 2018, being an electric, super efficient NBA scorer with threes, with rim pressure. So let's see him get back to that. What encouraged me lately is that it seems like despite Zach coming back, the Bulls are still emphasizing their driving kick game. They're still emphasizing taking a bunch of threes. Last night, Jace, 47 threes for the Bulls. They go 19 to 47 from three. That's 40%. And you could absolutely tell watching the game that there were moments where, like, last year these would have been mid-range pull-ups. But this Even DeMar year, took six threes, I think, right? Drive, six or seven. swing, swing, swing. And DeMar, you know, Eversley said it in the score interview before the season. He's like, yeah, and we think DeMar's going to shoot more threes. And I thought that was insane. I'm like, you can't <laughs> teach the old dog new tricks with March becoming a more volume three-point shooter. But DeMar goes three, six from three yesterday, mostly shooting him from the corners. Always has his foot on the line if he's above the break. That's just what DeMar does. But uh, yeah, I mean, for the Bulls to get up 47 threes, dude, is pretty outstanding. Can they remain committed to this style of play? I think just having one more awesome knockdown shooter like Kobe one more guy who could put the ball in the deck and get the defense in rotation like Kobe really sets everyone else up for being in a better role. So uh, we'll see. I think Zach will only continue to get stronger. What Zach, he turns 29, I believe, in February. So, like, you know, he should still absolutely be in his physical prime despite some of the injuries he's had. He's mostly been a really durable guy. Um, so I thought Zach looked pretty good in general i'm gonna get to some points on the defense but you got anything else on zach before i start doing that not really like uh i mean yeah the first couple games were kind of like whatever uh i know he had some nice moments in that first game back but off the bench relatively quiet in the second hornets game he missed a couple wide open threes i know coming down the stretch that if they would have lost that game like could have been goat material there for missing those open looks. Uh, and then, yeah. And then yesterday he gets off to the brutal start with the missed layups. Uh, and then he's kind of found his groove and you have a game where you almost put together a triple double, uh, three bounds, assists. He had a few steals getting out in transition, finding Kobe white for transition, three pointers. Uh, that's just great. And again, the crunch times, I think, I mean, the crunch time stuff, it's good. It's that's what Zach is. He's going to be a bozo sometimes in crunch time. That's just kind of what the name of the game is with Zach. But like, obviously the bulls just need to do their best to limit the bozo chance. Sometimes he's going to hit huge shots. Like he did. Sometimes he's going to ha- turn the ball over and, 
put up garbage, which he also did. So, like, that's just kind of the name of the game with Zach at this point. I don't think that's really going to change. Uh, you just got to do your best to mitigate that. Try to do what you can to spread the ball around. Uh, obviously, DeMar does a lot of the ball handling in crunch time. Kobe, get him involved a bit more as well. Um, and just try to, I know it's, again, it's sometimes going to be hard in crunch time offenses. We've seen, and Kobe even said it, like a lot of the times the ball goes to DeMar and he does his thing. But um, having, like I said, having multiple options can be good if they kind of, they all buy in and they all like believe in each other and they can keep the ball moving as much as possible. Um, again, not always going to be the case, but um, so yeah, good signs from Zach playing an all around game, even with some of the gaffes last night. And we'll see if he, he can keep it up. Uh, and again, like, we, as we talked about in our last pot, like he's incentivized. If he still wants to leave, if he still wants to trade, like he's incentivized to play better because no one wants him. The, again, it was like I mentioned earlier on this pod. Jake Fisher is column is trade Intel column today. No one wants Zach Levine right now. Like there's at least no one wants to give up anything of any type of value. Like any all the teams, the Lakers were mentioned. Oh, the Lakers might want Dejounte Murray instead. The Sixers. Oh, they don't want it. They want a two way guy too. They don't want to. They don't want to do anything like that. They'll, uh, the Kings, the Kings have been mentioned like that. Zach would like to go there. Eh, Kings don't seem very interested either right now. Like again, as we've talked about, a lot of this could change as we get closer to the deadline and there's actual deadline, actual pressure to make changes. And as more games happen, we get a big, bigger sample size and teams have to make those final decisions and maybe teams do up their offer. But for right now, again, he's still, um, He's got to play better. He's got to look good. He's got to buy in with the Bulls. And again, maybe that means he, the Bulls find a, a suitable trade, or maybe that means he's got to be on the team the rest of the year. And if that's the case, like, please don't start moping again. Please play better. Uh, and that would help the Bulls win as many games as they can. All right. Quick thing on the defense yep. real quick, because I was looking up some numbers on the defense. Yep. Uh, over the last... 15 games. The Bulls have the number four defense in the NBA. They are 111.7 defensive rating. Uh, if you go to December 1st, which I believe is 19 games, they have the number six defense. So the Bulls, once again, an elite defensive team. Billy Donovan cannot keep getting away with it. But he does. <laughs> He's very good at building elite defenses. Alex Caruso. Having good defensive pieces. You look at Kobe, Zach, DeMar, Vooch, all these guys should be stronger on offense than they are on defense. Yet here the Bulls are, once again, playing at a very, very high defensive level. Some numbers that caught my eye. This is hard to believe. For the entire season, so not, forget last 15 games, last 20 games, this is a whole season. The Bulls allow the fewest points in the paint of any team in the NBA. Jason, their starting center is Nikola Vucevic. How the hell are the Bulls last in the entire league Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams. Well, part of the reason is because the Bulls allow a ton of three-pointers. That's just the design of their offense. Teams get 44% of their shots against the Bulls from three. I believe that's either the highest or second highest in the league. But the Bulls have a pretty strong uh, you know, strategy, which is let teams take threes, especially above the break, and you know, close out, challenge, don't follow them. And, uh, you know, try to just shut down the paint. It's very much sort of like a, a pack line style of defense, which they play in college. Not not totally similar, but basically the Bulls want to shut down the paint. Last in the NBA in points in the paint allowed. That's mind-blowing with Vooch at center. I mean, that's legit crazy. Uh, some other numbers. Bulls, for a team that you know doesn't turn it over very much, they are the second best team in the league 
at opponents' points off turnovers. The Bulls' transition defense, pretty good. If you go by points off turnovers and fast break points, on fast break points, the Bulls are a top, they're number 10 in opponents' fast break points. So, um, you know, obviously the Bulls have been really good all year at not turning the ball over. They're one of the league leaders in turnover rate as a team. DeMar doesn't turn it over much. Kobe doesn't turn it over much. So you can uh, start with those two guys really being solid at ball security. But, you know, that's how they're doing it. Uh, Teams aren't getting a lot of free transition buckets off of them. And teams are somehow not getting points in the paint off of them. And, yeah. They could just kind of muck games. The Bulls, I think, play at the slowest pace in the league. I think they just kind of muck things up. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to, I was looking for those numbers. I had them the other day and now I couldn't find them on short notice today, but I think I saw something that the Bulls, they're either like 29 or 30th in terms of length of offensive possession. The Bulls' offensive possessions take longer than any team in the league. (laughs) And that's what they do. Defensive possessions, the Bulls' defensive possessions take longer than any team in the league. They're either number one or number two, and that and that's what you want. You teams want to score early in the shot clock. Yep. They want to get early offense because early offense is easy offense. The Bulls are not letting them do that. The Bulls make you work through multiple actions. They drain the clock. They've been really good defensively again. So it's hard to believe, man, uh, that. Billy Donovan is once again creating what looks like a very good defense. The full season numbers don't totally support it. They're 14th in defensive rating. Uh, According to basketball reference, they're 13 or 23 in offensive rating, which is right around where they were last year. But the offense looks a lot better. They're shooting more threes. Kobe's given them so much more of a dynamic threat at point guard offensively than what they had at Iowa last year. I mean, it's night and day. Yeah. What he's able to do as a shooter, as a driver, he's just been tremendous. Uh, and yeah, it's been pretty good. I do think the Bulls have really benefited from an easy schedule, but as we wrap this up, you look at the schedule coming up. Next game Friday against the horrible Golden State Warriors. The Warriors <laughs> the are teetering off the melting edge. down. Cliff Jason. Back-to-back blowout losses at the Chase Center. That used to never happen to the Warriors. So that they're struggling. Cooked. That's all the Bulls' ring of honor night, I should say, where there could be some fireworks oh, there. Yeah. Uh, Bulls' ring of honor night. Charles Barkley said, I'd pay to see that. Those guys hate each other. So <laughs> we'll see exactly what that entails. All right, so then after Golden State, they got a back-to-back San Spurs, Antonio right? on the road. San Antonio sucks. They're playing a little better lately. I do the think that could be a good. that could be a trapish game. Like the Bulls Absolutely. were down double digits in San Antonio. They were again they were close that game in San Antonio. And the game back at home against San Antonio, um, I think it was like a, it was a close game until the fourth quarter. So like that could be a trapish game on the second of a back to back when you're have to travel to San Antonio. That is right in San Antonio. Yeah. I think that's in a trapish the- game. Like that, if they if the Bulls win both those games, like I think that'd be pretty. I mean, they should beat the Warriors tomorrow. The Warriors are just fucking cooked. I guess like stuff could always go off, but that team just seems so dead in the water. Like that's a game you got to win, and they should hopefully win handily. Uh, but if they do that and then go beat San Antonio, I know they have San Antonio has five wins. Still back to back, you got to travel against a bad team. Like that's a that's a game the Bulls of last year would have lost. Uh, they've lost in San Antonio, I think, a few times in the last few years, like in just stupid fashion. So, like, go win that game. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think they play after Cleveland, that, Cleveland. Monday, they're at Cleveland. Then Thursday, they're at Toronto. So those, those are the tough games. games. If they can go 4-0, and and three of them are on the road, it includes a back-to-back. If they can go 4-0, and the Bulls will be over 500. 
I don't know if they can pull That's that off. That's tough. Yeah, the Raptors but... are playing better. Um, the Cavs have been playing well. Like if they win one of those games, I think if they if they're able to split um, the Cavs Raptors road thing, I think that'd be that'd be an absolute win. And you got to take care of business against the Warriors, who yeah. suck. So home against the Warriors, back to back. Go three and one, Antonio. Go three. Then you get one day off, so it's you know three and four days at Cleveland. That's going to be tough. You can basically yeah. pencil in DeRozan for a tough game there. <laughs> And have enough rest. And then at Toronto on Thursday, you can probably pencil DeRozan in for a great game. That's <laughs> going back to Toronto. Then you're home against Memphis, who's without Morant now. They're, and Marcus Smart. On the road against Phoenix, on the road against the Lakers, on the road against Portland. So six of the Bulls' next seven games on the road, that's going to be have that's going to be something where, you know, they have the opportunity to prove that they can be a really good team in the East. Well, they're five and 12 on the road. So you got six of your next seven coming on the, the Memphis road. game at home or on the road. Sorry. Uh, the Memphis game is the one game at home. Okay. Well, they're so home against the Warriors. Next too. seven after the Warriors. Game. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. They're on the road. Uh, Cause the Warriors are the home game. So, you know, you look at that. The rest of this January schedule then closes out home against Toronto on the road against Charlotte. Charlotte's getting back. LaMelo how many, Ball how many games are they going to play against Charlotte? I feel like they've played like one of the, part of the stretch that has helped is they've, they're what five and zero against the Spurs and Hornets uh, credit them the winning and a couple games they could have lost, but uh, uh, it is nice to bum slay and actually, actually bum slay and not lose stupid games to teams that are like historically bad, uh, like the Spurs and Hornets who are, both that would have the Spurs have five wins. The Horn again, knock on wood. We'll see what they bulls against the Spurs. But again, this will be games they've played. They've won two games against the Spurs. They've won three games against the Hornets here in this last like stretch, and they still have a game against each of them coming up here. So nice to be able to bum slay against those teams and to actually do it, and not lose, even though they come clo- came close a few times. So I ask you this, Jason: Can the Bulls get to five hundred by February first? They got um, five, six, seven, eight, nine. How many games is that? Ten games left. They're 18 and 21. So they'd have to it go seven and three. It would be a stretch. To they get have to, to go five. seven and three to go. Mm. It's not the hardest schedule, though. Going but to like Phoenix, Phoenix, has, suck Phoenix has sucked. Like at Cavs, at Raptors, it's going to be tough. Like at Phoenix, like Phoenix sucks, but like. At, at, on the road there at LA, like the Lakers, um, I don't know if they're going to go seven and three. I can see at them the February schedule. They got a ton of road games before the All Star break in February too. Going into the All Star break, they played four in the road, four in a row on the road at Memphis, at Orlando, at Atlanta, at Cleveland. But the point is, Jace, that. They at least have a chance. I mean, a lot of these games are kind of feeling more, way more like toss-ups than we thought. Like again, when they were five and fourteen, and we were looking at the schedule, and we saw like all these games against the Sixers, all these games against the Bucks, uh, it was like, are the Bulls going to have ten wins by Jan by the New Year? And of course, they ended up blowing past that because they ended up pulling out some of these wins. Uh, and they have a few other great wins too. Um, so, like, do would I predict them to be over five hundred again? They'd have to go seven and three if they have, if they have ten games left this month. They'd have to go seven and three to get to what is that twenty five and twenty four going into February. Like, I don't know if they'll do that, but I could see them going six and four, uh, or five. Like to be right there, I think getting to seven out of ten for this stretch is probably a bit much. 
if they did it, I'd be slightly surprised, not totally surprised. I think seven and three is probably like the ceiling of there. If they if they somehow went through this stretch and went like eight and two, like that's absolutely insane. Maybe I actually will believe in them as a good team uh, because that'd be what twenty one and nine over thirty games. Like that'd be an incredible stretch. So like I would, I'll say right now, I think they'll be just under five hundred going to February. Would be my guess. So yeah, man. Or maybe like, I don't think they're going to fall apart. Like I do not. I think they're playing as long as they like, stay relatively healthy. I do not think they're going to fall apart or anything. Like I said, I'm still somewhat skeptical. I do think again they they've been so good in these close games. Like if a few close games go against them, like it'll be tough. But again, I don't think they're going to fall apart. I don't think they're going to go like three and seven here or anything like that. Like I think five and five, six and four uh, sounds about right. Maybe I like, get seven and three, maybe at best to get them over five hundred, but. Uh, I mean, as long as they're kind of in there, like, that's fine. Like, again, they're at this point, they're not tanking. It's not going to happen. They're probably not trading any of these other guys, even if we think maybe they should still look at the market. So, like, this point, you might as well just win as many games as you can. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see what they do. 12 games left until the February 8th trade deadline for the Bulls. So, Jace, you made a joke in a group chat today that the Bulls should be buyers. They're Tearing up the league. They are a top six team, according to Bill Simmons. Go Bulls. I don't know, man. Like, the development of Kobe is really awesome to see. The fact that he's yep. able to sustain it's great. And, I mean, they're doing the defensive thing again. I don't know how the hell yep. they're doing Speaking it. Speaking quick, yeah. real quick, just about the joke, whatever, being buyers. Very interesting that Mark Stein brought up in his on his sub stack this week that brought up the idea of the Bulls using Lonzo's $20 million salary as a trade chip to try to upgrade the roster. Would I be very surprised if they did that? Yes. But it is very interesting that Stein even brought up the possibility of doing that. And we also do have to remember the Bulls do have some other... The Bulls have the Lonzo Ball, I believe, the disabled player exception. They have still part of their mid-level. Like, they could add to the team, even just, like, signing guys. Or they have to go into luxury tax. Yeah, right, which is not going to happen. Like, But if they really believed in this team, they really want to push in, they could do it. Again, very unlikely given the history of this ownership group, but like they have some avenues, some po- trade chips and possibilities. Again, go, like sinking more draft capital into this roster would probably be a terrible fucking idea. Um, unless you like get like a really, really good young, like long term piece. Um, but who knows? It was, I, I just found it very interesting that Mark Stein actually brought that possibility, that idea up as a possibility. Jace, they better not pour any more assets. Yeah. I mean, if anything, they should be trading Caruso, getting assets, and like riding it out. Giving more minutes to Pat, that would be nice. Pat kind of got lost in the shuffle yesterday, didn't score in the second half. So I would like to see Pat get more minutes. I think that getting Caruso out brings in some future draft capital, gives Pat a bigger chance to make and an th- impact, and they'd still be pretty good. Like Caruso is obviously a huge part of their like their defensive success, and like they would miss him, but like I think they would still be. At least they'd still be pretty competitive. It's not like the difference between them being like competitive and awful is Alex right. Caruso. So like Io can uh Io can give you some yeah, like a poor man. Yeah. Dalen Terry has looked a little better yeah. lately. Give right. him more minutes. Trade Caruso, please. They're not gonna <laughs> do it. I want them to do it so badly though. If you get two firsts, you know, I was looking the so I'm writing a mock draft coming yeah. out next Respy Nation. The Knicks got a bunch of teams got two picks in this draft. Yeah, And you think, oh, no one's going to give you two first-round picks for Alex Crusoe. Well, you know, the Knicks pick, like, 17 and 20. Would you even take that if you were the Bulls, the 17th and like the 20th? Both of them? I'd rather have future first, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. You know, like, if I think it's possible that you get two first for Crusoe. So 
I think just do it. <laughs> do it. Like they need some future hope. Kobe's given it to them. They're yeah. still looking at a cap crunch in terms of the luxury tax. I do think the Levine trade could inevitably alleviate some of that, but we'll see there's, what comes back. Yeah, from that. there's tax so. uh, or expirings, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. All right, Jace, wrap it up. Yeah, let's let's finish it up. All right. That's going to do it for, for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Tons of great podcasts all across Blue Wire. So please go check check them out. There's obviously tons of other NBA podcasts. There's plenty of other sports podcasts and just whatever. Tons of podcasts at Blue Wire in addition to what we're doing here at Cash. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those fun places. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or X, or the place formerly known as Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it, at Bulls underscore J. Follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. Follow Ricky's work at SBNation.com. As he mentioned, he's working on a mock draft. Tons of great stuff that he puts out. And also, please go check out ClutchPoints.com as well. So, Ricky's going to be gone next week. Ricky is going on vacation to Lake Tahoe. Uh, I'll probably be back with a guest. I'll have to figure that out. But uh, again, Bulls got to back-to-back this weekend, and then they play Cleveland on Monday. Um, obviously went over that schedule already so uh, we'll see when we pod next week I'll be with the guests though at some point so we will talk to you guys next time Ricky enjoy that vacation take it easy everybody <laughs>